You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. high on Tuesday and, and try and finish out your last game, you know, with the not the same atmosphere and a team that has lost 18 in a row. And, and we played as if we assumed we were going to come out and win tonight. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's good for them, good for us. And, and the lesson is learned. We, we learned a lesson tonight. We learned that this is the NBA and there's uh, the guy asked me last game after the game, uh, was this our best win of the year against the Lakers? And I told him, every win is a good win for us. And I really meant that because every person, every team understands in the NBA, you can win on any night, you can lose on any night. And we lost tonight because uh, we deserve to lose tonight. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 531 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and those are the words of Lloyd Pierce in the aftermath of what was a pretty embarrassing loss for the Hawks on Thursday evening by a final score of 106-91 at the hands of the New York Knicks. Uh, plenty more about that game momentarily. I wanted to sort of lead off with the way that Pierce addressed the media post-game uh, before he was actually asked anything. So that was sort of his opening statement. I want to pass that along to you. We'll come back to the game momentarily. I do, uh, I do want to talk about two different things briefly before we get to the game itself. One of which was the, uh, since last time we recorded this podcast, uh, word broke from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that um, the Hawks have elected to convert Jalen Adams and his contract, his, the uh, two-way guard out of St. Bonaventure, his rookie season is this year, of course, and um, Woj reports that uh, the Hawks have decided to go ahead and pick up the, uh, I guess not, it's not only an option, converting him from a two-way contract to a full contract. That was, uh, not, it's not been announced yet by the Hawks, but actually kind of amusingly on Thursday evening, Lloyd Pierce acknowledged um, kind of unprompted that the Hawks have, have uh, definitely decided to do that. So uh, that's going to be happening uh, unofficially or officially at some point in the near future. There's not really a huge benefit to waiting, so I'm not really sure why the Hawks haven't announced that just yet. Adams didn't play in this game because he's still battling an ankle injury, but not a huge surprise here. You know, the Hawks have two roster spots that they had to fill between now and February 21st. Adams, um, for my money, is the not the better of the two two-way guys that they have. I think Poitras is, is a better player right now. Adams is younger, though, and uh, more importantly, at a position of need. The Hawks only, the Hawks only have Trey Young at point guard right now. I'm sure they will probably still evaluate other options at point guard at some point along the way, but for now, Adams is, the, is sort of the incumbent guy. There's no reason that they couldn't just promote him in the way that they are here. So, you know, big picture... I could argue that difference between um, Adams and another G League guard isn't that huge. I, I think there probably is a, a guy or two that's available that's probably a better prospect in a vacuum than Jed Adams, but because he already knows the system, he also is a good fit in Atlanta with what they want because Travis Schlenk's always um, seemingly on board with guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Adams can certainly do that. Um, he's not, he's someone who I I'm not sure is ever ever going to be able to defend at an NBA level, honestly, because he's he's pretty small. But you have to like the skill level that he has. I've always kind of liked him as a prospect. So I think the Hawks, um, you know, obviously will have to sign another player between now and the 21st to get to, to get to 14 and sort of be in compliance with the league's roster rules. But that was the one bit of news that hit on Wednesday in between podcasts. I wasn't going to break in with an emergency pod. So there you go. Jalen Adams will be back um, post-break. He actually almost played in this game, according to Lloyd Pierce. Uh, they, they scratched him before the game started, but he was listed as probable 
In fact, on Thursday morning, they sort of took the cautious approach with him, gave him the extra week off. It's probably the right move if there was any uh, doubt at all about his ankle, and he didn't play here, so we'll see him after the break. Um, other, other thing to hit on, I do want to pass along some more audio for Lloyd Pierce. Actually, it's going to be a Lloyd Pierce audio-centric podcast tonight. Um, but he was actually um, he was actually asked about um, minutes when it came to guys playing a lot of minutes recently. Like he brought, he brought up that he wanted to sort of bring guys back a little bit in terms of minutes um, somewhere along the way because you know I brought to him about Trey Young um, playing 38 minutes the other night. So I wanted to play some audio for you. Um, first of all, he previously you know the, the biggest thing was that he sort of alluded earlier in the uh, earlier earlier in the in the question and answer session on Thursday before the game that he wanted to pull some, pull some minutes back potentially. So I asked specifically about Trey. Young and the 38 minutes, all that fun stuff. So here's his answer to what I had to ask him on Thursday about workload for Trey Young. You mentioned pulling guys' minutes back potentially. Trey plays 38 the other night. Is there is there like a? No, it's not like a firm cap. Is there is there a cap on guys like that? Where in a regulation game you might want to not play a guy more than 38, 39 minutes. No, and, and Trey and I have had numerous conversations, and you know the one thing I told him is you want to earn extra minutes. Um, 38 was him earning extra minutes. He really had a rhythm going. He was doing a great job. They had a tough time defending him. But I've also told him, I don't want to play you 38 minutes. I don't want you to skip steps. I don't want you to feel entitled that you should get 30. I don't want him coming into tonight's game thinking, play me 38 minutes. Um, Because there's a lot of areas still that he's not all the way there yet. You know, the consistency and effort um, the type of defense and attention to detail that we want on every play. It, it's tough to go from 30 to 38 minutes and comp- stay completely locked in for any guy. Um, and so he, he knows where those areas are that we talk about, um, the pace of the game, how fast we want to play after makes, not just after misses. Uh, to be able to keep that up and doing it 38 minutes, 35 minutes, 34 minutes is tough. 30 minutes is pretty good because they're usually six-minute, seven-minute clumps. Um, so he, he understands that, and all our guys do. John, I don't know what John's career high in minutes are. He played 35, I think, against, uh, not the Laker game, I think it was Orlando. And we met the next day, and he said, Coach, I played 35 minutes. And I was like, okay. You know, I, I thought he was going to say, I should play 35 minutes. He said, Coach, that's a lot of minutes. And it was bizarre. He said, that's a lot of minutes to, you know, the way you want me to play and run and go get offensive rebounds. He said, I was really tired. Um, and it was it was the back-to-back, so it was the second night. He said, I was really tired. Um, so he gets it. He understood. And, and I had him explain that to Trey. And Trey gets it. And they understand. So I'm trying to cut back minutes because I don't want to overwhelm him, especially as we're going through, you know, especially this part of the year where, you know, we feel nicks and nacks, and, and guys' bodies are a little bit sore. And so to keep that same level of energy and focus and awareness, um, it doesn't mean extend the minutes. It just means be a better version of yourself in the minutes that you're normally playing. 
thought it was a pretty insightful answer in some ways when it came to Young and Collins. I know that was sort of a long audio clip and I wanted to play it all for you for uh, proper context. And um, actually, one more that I wanted to pass along is that, you know, um, I actually asked, asked a sort of a follow-up later on in the uh, availability whether it was potentially tougher for Young to play big minutes because of his stature and the fact that he was a little bit smaller guy. Um, but Pierce actually said he thought it was easier, and I wanted to pass that along to you, especially on the offensive end. So here was what he said about the about the uh, insinuation that potentially it would be a tough, tougher for Young to play a little bit more minutes given his uh, size. Is it even harder for Trey because he's a little bit smaller? Is that is that a thing at all? I think it's easier. Easier. I think for his entire career he's played end-to-end with pace. He gnashes it and keeps his dribble. and He's used to playing with the basketball and he's used to playing in multiple pick and rolls and getting into the paint and, and kicking out. and He's used to doing that whereas twos and threes run into corners. And then they're dependent upon what the point guard does or what the action allows them to do. Where Trey has to facilitate. Sometimes he's coming off to score. Sometimes he's coming off second side. And then when they reverse it back, he's back in action. Um, we, we had that conversation too. And I think the, the reason we had that conversation was really surprised at his durability for him to play every single game and to start every single game. And I think he's used to just playing heavy minutes, very active always engaged in every single play because he has basketball in his hands. So you hear what Pierce has to say there. I, I would push back on that a little bit, I think, um, only because I think offensively his point is taken and that Young is comfortable with the ball in his hands and he's conditioned to play a lot with the ball in his hands and has been for his whole career and his whole life. So I sort of understand that point. My issue, I think you might have heard it in the, in the way that he answered the first question, is the way that he has to compete defensively is just different now. So I think part of that is probably why I was going down that road. But it's interesting to sort of hear Pearson. One of the biggest questions that I get from fans and that ends up in the Peachtree Hoops comments, et cetera, et cetera, is why Pierce um, doesn't have Young play more often. So I thought that was at least uh, somewhat instructive. Um, of course, the game tonight on Thursday, he didn't play a lot. I guess he actually did, did leave the team in minutes with 31, but probably would have played a little bit more had it been a more normal game. But with that said, I think Young, the circumstance right now is is going to push him to play more minutes, but I think um, there's a method to the madness that I wanted to sort of pass along what Pierce had to say about workload in the recent past. So, uh, I know there, there'll be a lot of stuff to cover from the game. Um, I will say, before we get to this break, that's coming up very, very shortly, this is uh, supposed to be the easiest matchup on paper for, this, for the Hawks all season long. They were eight-point favorites in this game. Yes, eight-point favorites against the Knicks because of the fact that the Knicks were on an 18-game losing streak. The, the Knicks have lost 18, 18 games in a row. They also had the worst record in the NBA by a wide margin. So um, all that to say, also, New York was, was on the second game of back-to-back. So the Hawks had full rest given that they did not play on Wednesday, whereas the Knicks actually did. So to, to sort of set the stage a little bit before, before we go to break here, just to have you guys marry down this one a little bit. The Hawks were eight-point favorites. That was the biggest margin of uh, being a favorite for the Hawks in uh, about two years. And uh, with that said, they, they lost this game by 15 points. So um, after this brief break, we'll come back and talk about all about that game, but I sort of want to set the stage a little bit just to say that uh, this is a bad loss in a lot of ways. We'll break it down in just a few seconds. Okay, we're back to talk about what transpired here. And, it was ugly, as you might imagine. Um, you know, the final score, 106-91, tells the story to some degree. But the game opened with the Knicks scoring 14 points in a row. Um, that kind of set the stage for what, what apparently became a, just a brutal night overall. The Knicks, uh, again, 14-0 run to open the game. The Hawks missed their first 11 shots from the floor. 
That included four threes. Um, finally, John Collins mercifully broke the ice with about seven and a half minutes to go in the first half, starting in the first quarter, with a uh, follow-up dunk on a Prince miss. Um, and in fact, the Hawks scored five points in the first seven and a half minutes of this game. At that point, they had a thirty-point-one offensive rating which is impossibly bad, obviously. There was one more highlight in the first quarter. That was a DeAndre Bembry monster left-handed dunk, actually, in traffic. that was pretty pretty impressive, and I'm, I'm actually kind of sad that it got lost because it was a pretty pretty cool play from Bembry. But other than that, uh, not too much to speak about that was in a positive way in the first quarter. In fact, it got so weird late in the first that um, Pierce played a very interesting, weird lineup of Bembry, Justin Anderson at the two, Vince Carter at the three, Amari Spellman and Alex Lynn as he was sort of searching for answers. I would not have done that necessarily because I think it puts everybody in a bad spot. You, you just don't have any shooting on the floor other than Carter. And I guess Spellman and Lynn could both shoot a little bit, but they're still big men. Just kind of a weird spot. They were just definitely scrambling, trying to do a combination that, that worked in any sort of form there down the stretch of the first quarter. It was the lowest scoring first quarter of the season for the Hawks with 13 points. That tied for the lowest scoring quarter of any kind for Atlanta, and they trailed 28-13 to 13 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, it was as bad as you're probably picturing right now. If you missed this game on Valentine's night, this is uh, as bad as, you're, as you can see in your mind right now. The Hawks opened this game in the first quarter with 6 of 29 from the floor, 0 of 9 from 3. On the bright side, they only had two turnovers in the first quarter, which was uh, you know, probably uh, one of the season lows for the team in the first. In fact, Turners were not a problem in this game. That was the only thing the Hawks didn't do poorly. Honestly, it was turning the ball over a lot. They just couldn't make shots, couldn't generate good offense. But um, the starting lineup in the first quarter was 1 of 16 from the floor. So I could probably do numbers all day long about how bad that was, but that set the stage for what was still a bad game overall. But if you want to be positive, if you're really trying to be positive in this game, the Hawks played dead even after the first quarter. So basically, it was 14-0 in the first five minutes, and from there, the Hawks lost the game by one point. So, you know. Take what you will from that, I suppose. In the second quarter, the Hawks got down by 17 at one point. There was a brief moment where the Hawks got um, sort of the lead chipped away early on on a pair of threes back-to-back from Dwayne Nedman, who played well in this game, one of the few guys that actually played well. Uh, old friend John Jenkins on the court for the Knicks actually had a really nice first half with 12 points in seven minutes in the first seven minutes of the game uh, for, for Collins. He was, uh, sorry, for John Jenkins. He was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, good to see him playing well and shooting the ball well, as he always used to do. Um, that was probably his one bright spot skill when he was in Atlanta, just battle injuries, all that fun stuff. But good to see an old friend shining a little bit for New York. Um, the Hawks did cut the lead down um, a lot, honestly, in the, in the second quarter. Got to six midway through the period after that flurry from Deb and a couple Prince jump shots. Um, and a 12-2 run for the Hawks to tie the game at 47-47 was the closest the Hawks would get the entire rest of the night. The Hawks never led in this game. Spoiler alert, but the Hawks never led in this game um, all the way through. Had a couple of ties, including 47-47. So kind of a slow developing run. It took about four minutes to happen, but they played good defense during that stretch. Um, and in general, the second quarter was the one positive in this game. The Hawks outscored the Knicks by 38 to 26 margin in the second quarter played great on offense shot the ball for 50 percent from the floor 50 percent from three in the period uh Devin had 11 points in the quarter on perfect shooting um it's worth knowing that lloyd pierce after the game did say that even when even when the team sort of climbed back in the game that he didn't he, he did not necessarily think that they played very well i think i probably agree with that they just made more shots honestly in the second quarter but it's worth noting they got they got this game tied down the stretch of the second quarter. They went into the halftime break down only three. And at that point in time, I will cop to the fact that I thought the Hawks were going to win this game at that point. They had come back all the way down from how bad they were in the first quarter. The Knicks are, of course, really bad. And I thought the Hawks were going to pull this game out. But from there, it didn't happen, obviously. Um, so in the third quarter... The Knicks scored the first six points to go up by nine. The Hawks did sort of battle back a little bit. Um, they, in fact, had a Torian Prince three in the air. Um... Pretty early on in the third quarter, that would have given them the lead. Probably the only time that they had a chance to take the lead the entire uh, 
game, really. Uh, but he missed that one, um, and, and they, they promptly allowed a layup to the Knicks to go up by four. That prompted an immediately timeout from Lloyd Pierce to, uh, when they were down by four. And then um, from there, got it, they got it back down to four points with, with about one and a half minutes to go in the first, sorry, in the third quarter. But a really ugly end of the third period. They ended up going down by nine. It was a bad foul by like, Trey Young in the backcourt. Just a lot of kicking the ball around for the most part down the stretch of the third quarter, and that, and that cost the Hawks dearly. They held the Knicks to 9 of 23 shooting in the third quarter, but uh, New York had four offensive rebounds, created some extra possessions. The Hawks had five turnovers, sort of reverting back to their old selves in the third quarter and just not, did not really create extra possessions, and that allowed the Knicks to lengthen their lead a little bit. In the fourth, the Knicks went up by 12 pretty much immediately. The Hawks got, got it back to nine a few times after a Dwayne Debbin three-point play with about six minutes to go to get down by nine, but that was answered pretty quickly from Kadeem Allen with a three-point play, and from there it was basically all Knicks um, being up, up double digits uh, on the way to the 15-point victory. Worth noting that briefly in the fourth quarter, they played an Alex Lynn, Dwayne Debbin lineup together. It was very clear that uh, Pierce was just kind of doing whatever he felt like doing in the fourth quarter. Um, it wasn't like the game was really in the balance, but they were trying anything that would possibly work in the fourth. There was a uh, Kent Bazemore shot off the glass to get them back within 10 with about under four and a half minutes to go, but it quickly got to 15 with about two and a half minutes left, and that was sort of the end of that on the way to the 106 to 91 margin. So offensively, really, really ugly from Atlanta in this game. A 93.8 offensive rating. That is, of course, Really bad in any, in any circumstances, but against a bad Knicks team with a bad defense, that's a, that's absolutely atrocious on, on your home court off of full rest. Just an awful offensive game from, from Atlanta in this game. 36% from the floor, 26% from three, 19 assists and 12 turnovers. Just not good, really, almost anywhere. We'll talk about individuals in a second, but just really bad across the board. 46% true shooting, that's brutal. So, yeah, not a lot going on there offensively that you want to be writing home about if you were the Hawks. Defensively, it wasn't like a disaster. You know, part of that's the Knicks just being bad defensively on offense, I should say. A 109 defensive rating is not good by any means, but not not terrible in the way the offense was. But the Knicks got you know contributions from a lot of guys. Six, six guys in double figures for the Knicks. Just some pretty balanced scoring across the board. Um, just not a lot going on for the Hawks in a positive way in this contest. To the individual players... Spoiler alert here, there were only two or three guys that I thought played well, or at least reasonably well. Everybody else struggled mightily. Uh, I'm going to start on the starting lineup, actually, in this game. Uh, I usually start with the bench, but I'm going to start with starters in this spot. Um, you know, not too much to write home about. I'm going to say Dwayne Demet for a minute because he was the one guy that I thought played well. Kevin Herter no-showed this game. Um, I like Kevin Herter quite a bit, but he was not good at all in this game. He, did, he actually did not score in 23 minutes. It was 0-4 from the floor. Did have four assists, which is the one bright spot, but four rebounds, two turnovers, three fouls, minus 16, a game worse there for Kevin. Just not his night by any means, and I think he probably could be uh, using the all-star break. Pierce did reference after the game that you know the, the trio of Young, Herter, and Spellman had never played as much basketball in their lives in one season. That could be some of that rookie wall showing up at a bad time, but Herter was not good in this contest. Torian Prince, same thing. 10 points, 5 rebounds, was 3 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 9 from 3. Just didn't have it going. Had 3 turnovers against no assists. Um, just, you know, wasn't wasn't uniquely terrible versus everybody else in this game. Just didn't play well at all. Um, John Collins had a real had a real stinker by his standards, to be to be very, very clear. I thought it was probably the worst game of the season for Collins, if I'm, if I'm being honest. 8 points, 1 rebound for Collins, and it was offensive in 25 minutes. Didn't did have a single defensive rebound, and uh, he definitely ran out of gas, I felt like. Um, maybe not running out of gas energy-wise, but just didn't look good on this entire uh, homestand, honestly. 
Very few uh, bright moments after a stretch where he just couldn't do any wrong. Honestly, he was averaging 25 points a game or so. For a while, Collins has really sort of uh, tapered off from there. But tonight was sort of a new low for him. Of course, he's going to have to have a full day. He's got to take uh, Trey Young and Jock have to fly to Charlotte tonight and be uh, sort of on again um, for Friday night's Rising Stars competition. But, you know, Collins just was just brutal in this game by his standards. Uh, he's got to do better than that for Hawks to play well. It was not his fault because uh, a lot of guys were bad, but he was not good in this game. Um, Trey Young, the numbers look okay, counting-wise, 16 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. If I just told you that, you probably would assume that he played well. Also had two steals, three turnovers. But I, so, And because he was he was productive and the passing is what it is, the passing is awesome as it always is here for Trey Young. He wasn't as bad as, as I'm probably going to say that he was here just because the numbers were solid, but he was not as good as the numbers would indicate. Six, nine, six of 19 from the floor, pretty inefficient, obviously. One of, six, one, of, one of six from three. Defensively, he had some real issues, as he often does, but it was particularly bad in this game, I thought. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that he still produced um, at a reasonable level, but just in, in, inefficient, not particularly good. And, like, you know, again, not nobody's individually responsible for this game, but he wasn't, wasn't very good either, despite the numbers looking probably a little bit better than you might think. And finally, Deadman was the one bright spot I thought in the starting lineup. 21 points for Dwayne. Shot the ball. Great. 6 of 10 from the floor. 4 of 7 from 3. 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Only two rebounds, though. The Hawks got killed on the glass in this game. A 19.6% offensive rebound rate is pretty uh, pretty dismal for them. A 74% defensive rebound rate. Just not, not a lot going on there defensively on the glass. Um, Deadman was partially responsible for that, so that's worth pointing out as well. And was minus 18, but... I don't think that he was uh, bad. I think he, he was probably the only guy that really played well in the starting lineup for the Hawks and uh, had five fouls along the way, actually. He was he was at least aggressive in making some, trying to make some plays for Atlanta in the starting lineup. Off the bench, a couple guys that I thought played pretty well um, were Amari Spellman and Kent Bazemore. Spellman, a uh, smaller sample, but six points, nine rebounds in 17 minutes. Well, he was pretty active, made, made both of his, sorry, made two of his three three-point attempts and had two assists as well and a block shot. Spellman just played with energy. I didn't think he was like fantastic by any means, but I thought he played pretty well, gave, gave, good, gave good effort, and I thought put some good stuff on tape. If you're trying to find some good stuff to focus on, it was probably Spellman was on the short list. Uh, Bazemore, same thing. 16 points for Kent and six rebounds. Um, I good to see him play a little bit more. This is the first game in a while that he's actually played a lot of minutes. 27 minutes for Kent. Didn't make his threes, was over three. But other than that, I thought he was probably the best player for the Hawks in this game, um, all, all told. It uh, wasn't like he was great either. I, I think he's definitely had better games than this. But if you're trying to find positivity, it's probably Bazemore, Spellman, and Deadman, at least in my opinion. Um, elsewhere in the uh, supporting roles, Bembry had a pretty quiet night, Despite the, aside from the big left-handed dunk that he had in the first half. That was his only field goal. Vince Carter, same thing, four points in 12 minutes, just didn't do didn't have much going on there. Alex Lynn really struggled after a nice game the other night, six points, six rebounds for Lynn, but um, and actually was pretty active in terms of steals and blocks, two steals, two blocks, but just didn't have it going, I didn't think. And then Justin Anderson, only five minutes, one of three from the floor, one of, oh, of one from three. Good to see him play a little bit, but just didn't, you know, kind of not in the greatest position in the world and just didn't have the two much going on there. Alex Poitras was recalled actually on Thursday morning, did not play in this guy in this game, but was active and was around, was an option. I think if the Hawks needed him, they probably would have gone to him. But um, yeah, again, I can't emphasize this enough. This is the easiest possible game for Atlanta on paper. Um, eight point favorites. That's the biggest number they'll have all season, almost assuredly. I can't imagine a scenario, I guess, maybe if the, if the Suns just didn't play guys or something like that. But I think the Hawks won't be favored by more than this all year long. You know, New York on the back-to-back, Hawks resting, 18 games in a row, all that fun. I guess on the bright side, the Knicks were probably due for a win, but it wasn't like the Knicks played well. 
that's, that's something that I have to say. This is just a, it's just an awful basketball game. If you were there, if you um, watched this game on television, I hope it came through the same way it did for me. It's just a bad basketball game from start to finish. Even if the Hawks had won this game, and there was a moment when I thought they were going to win it in the third quarter or so, um, it would have been a bad win, honestly. They, they didn't play well at all. The Knicks didn't play well either. It just kind of did more than the Hawks did. So uh, I, probably the best advice would be to forget this one altogether. I think, you know, Lloyd Pierce had this um, resignation a bit. I think he talked a lot about, as they play, played, you for, played for you at the beginning here, talked a lot about how it's basically something that happens in the league where a team will overlook another opponent. You heard him say it at the beginning. Um, it's definitely troubling that the Hawks would overlook anyone given their record. But, you know, if you were going to overlook a team, it's a team that's lost 18 in a row that's arriving, sort of sleepwalking in the way that they were. So a learning experience, I'm sure, for this Hawks team. They'll get away for a week. You know, Pierce kind of made fun of everybody and said, um, I asked, I actually asked him before the game started if uh, he had a message for the team at all or something that he wanted to focus on. He kind of laughed and said, if they're focusing on him during their break, they're doing their break wrong, um, which is kind of funny and everybody laughed. But, um, yeah, definitely a clear your head couple of days for Atlanta, obviously. Collins and Young will be in Charlotte, and uh, I'm sure some of the team personnel will be there. But you know, Pierce said he's going to the Bahamas. A lot of guys getting out of town. They'll reconvene uh, midweek next week, and that'll be um, a nice refresher. And the Hawks have two more home games before they go on the road again. I feel like they've been home forever, and they have been home forever, but two more home games before they hit the road once again. So all that to say, I know it's a lot of information to throw at you in one podcast, a lot of audio, so please bear with me on that. Um, in terms of scheduling, I am not planning to do, uh, to, planning to, do, to do another podcast until next week. I'm not a huge all-star guy. I know it'll be fun to monitor um, – the Rising Stars on Friday night. I'm not going to recap that. There's not really much to talk about there. Um, if something crazy happens on Saturday, maybe we'll come back on and do a short pod on Sunday, but probably not. It probably will come back um, next week. I do have a draft-related podcast in the hopper. I have a mock draft coming. That's actually going to be coming on Friday at Dime. So uh, check that out if you want to, and then we'll have plenty of draft content. Um, also, about, you know, PeacerHoops.com is not going to be going away over the weekend and then into the All-Star break. So lots of content in the offing. I will have a couple of podcasts during the break next week. Probably not every single day. During the four-game absence, the Hawks don't play again until Friday. So a long break here for Atlanta. Obviously, you'll have the uh, all-star stuff to get you through the weekend. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, have nothing for Hawks. So I will try to come back, give you some content to get you through the week before we get back to back to the grind next Friday. So stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast. Find your podcast player of choice and join us there. And if nothing else, we will see you all next week.